Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. I think Dan could have handled that, though. He could have brought it up. Did you figure that one out there, Dan? Absolutely. I've done it a couple times. No, I was running. <laughs> Running to get something. Uh, How you doing, Pat? So that my microphone would actually work. I'm doing great, and uh, we had a terrific time at Tiger Fest on Saturday, and the optimism about the Tigers has been—I don't know—it it, it accelerated a great deal by the Upton signing. I was just going to say that Upton signing two days before the caravan and four days before Tiger Fest. There's no question it injected quite a bit of life into the. Reception the Tigers got out state, around town, and at Tiger Fest at the ballpark on Saturday. I don't think there's any question about it. And the, other, the other thing it did, Pat, I think it really it fired up the players. I mean, when they're seeing an owner go above and beyond, and Mike Gillis is going above and beyond, and the players know it, to take a payroll in a market this size, look at other teams in markets this size, right in front of or right behind the Tigers, their payrolls are a lot lower. To take that payroll to almost $200 million, I think the players, I mean, you could just kind of sense that we, if it's not we owe this guy something, it's like, hey, this guy's doing everything he can to make us a winner. We have to get out and get it done. Yeah, And you just kind of have that sense. I know there's that sense every year at this time, so you don't want to get overly carried away by the optimism that you felt at Tiger Fest. But I really do think that Upton signing fired a lot of people up. Well, here's the interesting thing. Um, have the Tigers gotten to the point where they can win the division? And I, and I know, you know, last year I went over this constantly, uh, because the Tigers were in a decision, should they be buyers or sellers? At the trade deadline. Yeah, and eventually it became obvious. But I, I, to me, I was a lot later into, like, hey, they got to sell, because I thought a lot of it was just frustration. And I realized that the year before, the World Series participants, the Giants and Royals, had been wild card teams. And the Tigers, one of the years they got in it most recently, 2006, they were also a wild card team. But it is different, because you got the one-game knockout. So you're not pretty much equal, just not having home field advantage anymore. You got to win that one game. Right. It's not even to me. It's almost like you're not even in the postseason until you win that one game. Right. Right. I mean, really, you really aren't. I mean, I'm kind of you know. I, I I was thinking last year. What if the Tigers get in as a wild card? Do they still have the champagne celebration? Yeah. <laughs> after winning four straight division titles, we didn't have to worry about it, obviously. But 
No, I, I, I that's just kind of how my feeling because it's such a crapshoot that one game play in. So it you really got, is what it is in the division. You know, a lot of people used to call it the uh, American League Comedy Central, but uh, <laughs> I don't think it's any any. It's kind of like the Ameri- uh the Comedy Central. Uh, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert, they're no longer hosting it. You no longer can you say that about the American League Central. Pitching staffs, you know, pretty good. I mean, look at the Indians. Look at that starting staff. You get those guys for four four days, you know. Come out there with Kluber throwing that nasty slider and hard and that Salazar kid and just one after the other. And then you, know, you look at the, the White Sox. That's a pretty good uh, rotation as well and then uh, I mean, look out if Carlos Rodon figures things out this year right. and, I mean because he's that's as good a left arm as you're going to see the walk rate's still really high so it might be another year but that that's a golden left arm you know and of course the Royals have the you know the real good bullpen now they got the the winning championship pedigree uh, they no longer are like hey you know we fear the Tigers that type of thing so uh, the Tigers are going to cut out for them uh, when it comes down to winning the division. And I don't think people are laughing at their four straight Central Division titles anymore. And I, you know, the one thing, and I'd be interested to hear what fans think about this. I'd love day. to hear what fans think, especially after the weekend and listen to Tigers players if you're at Tiger Fest, just your, your overall assessment of where this Tigers team is. Because I thought one of the more interesting things of the offseason uh, was Mike Illich saying about Dave Dombrowski, he didn't get it done. When, if you look at Dave Dombrowski's track record, the Tigers weren't very good. Mike Illich was very happy with the way the organization had evolved uh, compared to his first decade of owning the team in which it really struggled. Yes. And you look at it and you say, well, Dave Dombrowski didn't quite get it done. That's the reason he was fired. So that means that Mike Illich thinking World Series is the only thing that's acceptable been a long time, 1984, many, many years ago now, uh, more than three decades. And uh, is this a team that can win the World Series? I think that's the question. We asked Justin Verlander that on Saturday, and uh, I thought he provided an answer. We'll play that cut for you at some point. But we'd love to hear from you, 248-539-9797. With the Tigers for this era, which has actually been a pretty good era, to Appearances in the World Series that didn't go well, but a lot of postseason victories. They beaten the Yankees three times in the playoffs. I never thought if you asked me that in 2000, I would have told you you were crazy. That'll never happen. They beaten Oakland and all the money ball and all the talk about Billy Bean, the movie and everything. Brad Pitt being nominated for an award. Michael Lewis, you know the whole book. You know they beaten them three times in the playoffs. So has it been a successful era, or does it have to have that world championship to make it a successful era? I, the owner clearly thinks it right. needs that world championship. What do you all out there as fans think? I mean, that, it's interesting. The owner, I mean, Mike Hillis, like you said, that's that's his standard. He wants a championship. It's very clear. And I think from a player's standpoint, you're like, okay, I mean, there, there's a little pressure, but he has gone above and beyond in stocking this roster with some a lot of talent, and Alavito's made both trades and signings, that certainly they are in a position. Some things have to go right. And I don't think there's any question you start with the health of Cabrera, Verlander, and, and Victor Martinez that will determine who will have a huge impact on where this team finishes. Is it an 85-win team, 83-win team, or is it something 90-plus? With those three healthy and productive, closer to 2014 than what we saw in 2015, or in Justin's case, 2013, 
this should be a 90-plus win team. But those, those are the biggest factors, I think, in this coming season. There are a lot of other ones, but you start with those three. And you and I had a chance to sit down with both Justin Verlander and Miguel Cabrera. a lot of fun. Miggy looked very relaxed. Miggy looked in great shape. We saw some of the pictures at the sponsor dinner on Friday night uh, with him and some of the players from FC Barcelona. And Miguel Cabrera looks downright thin. The upper body's big, but the waist is thin. He's lost weight. And that was a real target for him in the offseason. He wanted to lose weight. and If he's not in the best shape he's been in a long time, I'll be – I mean, he's going to be going into this season, and that's that's not a small thing. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. What do you think? Also, you can use ticket text. That's at nine seven one three six. We do have a lot of sound from uh, the past week, uh, Tiger Fest, uh, the media tour uh, that went on, and optimism was running rampant. We had a big crowd at the beer hall when Dan and I did our annual special edition of Tiger Talk. We really enjoyed it. And the one thing, we've had Verlander and Cabrera on there in the past, but I don't ever remember those two guys being quite as, I don't know, jovial right. and loose and really uh, really looking forward to it. They, they weren't uptight at all about anything. I, I think the good health is a big part of it. Two things stuck out from our conversations with those two when it comes to health. Justin saying when he was battling through after the year following the core muscle surgery repair, battling through just getting loose in between innings to the point where if his team was rallying, scoring a bunch of runs, he said, how bad is it that I'm in the dugout thinking, please stop this rally so I can get back on the mound before too much time passes so that I'm not stiff as a board when I get back out there. I mean, he didn't like to talk about it, but clearly that was an issue all of 2014. He felt really good all of last year. And Miguel, the thing that stood out to me, went back to working with a guy who he says knows his swing the best, his cousin, Frank, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. I asked his cousin's name, he said, Frank. Uh, who knows his swing the best, and he said he had gotten into some bad habits the last couple of years because of, first, the core muscle surgery repair like Justin, and then the ankle and the calf, so he wasn't driving off that back leg like he had been in the past. And that's why I think return to health, also getting rid of the bad habits that he'd gotten into, working with his cousin or whoever knows his swing the best, I really believe that power is going to come back in a big way this year. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. You use ticket text. It's at nine seven one three six. What are your thoughts on the Tigers? How do they compare to the division? Also, is the World Series or bust for this franchise? Clearly, the Mike Gillett's the owner. A lot of times, owners duck this and say, "Hey, you know, we've done this and that," and they point to everything that they've done and not to not getting to the final step. He's the complete opposite of that. I'm sure that makes you all a little optimistic because he's going to do whatever it takes to win it. He's not going to stop. And um, But uh, how do you feel about it? Is that really a fair assessment? Because a lot of people have said the window of opportunity closes and all this. <laughs> and this team has had – I remember when the Tigers were terrible. We all do. For a dozen years in a row, they didn't have a winning season. We all remember the 119 loss season. Is it fair or unfair? 248-539-9797. He's Dan Dickerson, the radio play-by-play voice of the Tigers. I'm Pat Caputo, and you're listening to 97.1 The Ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1 The Ticket. Uh, it's huge. Um, you know, Mr. Illich deserves it. Detroit deserves it. These fans deserve it. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, we deserve it. Uh, 
you know, I, I think uh, I, I think it's time, man. We've uh, we've we've worked hard. You know, Pat Pat and I were talking during the break, and and that's Justin Verlander talking about a World Series championship and how important that is. And we we're talking during the break because Pat made a good point that the owner has said basically, it's World Series or bust. We need a World Championship, and anything short of that, and he didn't say it in so many. So many words, but I mean, he just he basically did say it. He did say it. He, he talked say about it exactly. Dave Dombrowski. Right. And you're thinking, well, that could put a lot of pressure on, on you know, the players. But I think the players, there's nothing wrong with having that, okay, the owner wants this badly. And instead of just focusing on we're going to win the Central and hope for the best in the crapshoot that is the postseason, now you're focused on winning the World Series. And when you start envisioning that, and that is the ultimate goal, and that's what drives you all season long, I have no doubt that that's what drove Kansas City last year. That disappointment of winning or losing in Game 7 with a tying run 90 feet away drove Kansas City. It was led by Ned Yost, the tone he set, the players on that team, the tone they set in spring training. That drove them all season long. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I would never say a season's a failure if you don't win the World Championship. I'm not the owner, though. <laughs> and if that's his standard, and, and you can kind of see, or we saw, Pat, I thought that the players kind of bought into that. Yes, this is the goal. And we're, we're going to do everything we can to drive, not just for a division, get back to the postseason, to win a World Championship. That's always the goal, but when you're really focused on it, I think it can make a difference. Well, the thing about uh, Cabrera, the thing about V-Mart, the thing about Verlander, the thing about Ian Kinsler. Um, those four for sure. It just jumps out to me. Um, that uh, their standard, even though they they made a lot of money or you know they get a lot of publicity, though a lot of cool things uh, that happen for them. That uh, really, when it comes right down to it, the essence of them is ball players. I don't know. You know, Jim always comes out there and puts it. He's a ball player. You know, he says that. But I know exactly what he's saying. Talking about Jim Price, mm-hmm. your broadcast partner. Uh, during the games. And uh, those guys care about, they're prideful about the game, you know, uh, where they really do. They're very prideful. They understand their spot in the game. They want to be as high as they can, and they want to win. And uh, they want to win a championship. It's, to them, you know, the, what happened last year is completely unacceptable uh, because they would, even though they make a lot of money and got a lot of fame and everything, uh, really uh, – they would be playing for a lot less if there wasn't so much money in the game. They would be playing back in the day. They're those type of guys. Now, there are other type of ball players that really don't care once they get the big check, but even just a fairly reasonably big check that sets them up for life, they don't really care anymore. That clubhouse isn't like that. Even last year, as bad as it got, it never really got bad in that clubhouse that I nope. remember. Now, I've been in a few clubhouses that have been really bad when you walked in, and uh, yeah, it wasn't a good place to be. So they have that going for them. And, uh, you know, I think of the Pistons. They've lost some things and couldn't win, and then they did when Isaiah Thomas was there and Dumars and Lambeer and those guys. And then same thing with the Red Wings initially. A lot of disappointment. And when they finally broke through, it really, you know, you could tell that it was uh, in essence. I kind of get the feeling that uh, just from Tiger Fest. And, again, you get that. It's always optimistic, the Tiger Fest thing. But I get the sense that they're kind of like that right now. You really feel it. Uh, the enthusiasm is there. And uh, the return to health of these players is huge. huge. And, uh, you know, it could mean a, a lot of wins for them, a lot of wins. And you're right, you know, uh, uh, if, you're, if you believe in advanced metrics, and I don't know, you can talk about the merits of war just on its own, wins above replacement. But it wouldn't surprise me if Justin Upton does mean four more wins for him. Right. 
And that they do win the division uh, wouldn't surprise me. They're a formidable opti- opposition, but I think they got a pretty good team. And I, I don't see a great team in the American League. Do you? Not right now. I no. mean, Kansas City is a team to beat until further notice. But, mm. you know, Texas being picked to win the West. And, I mean, each team you can pick the flaws in that you team. You see all kinds. Boston of- could be really, really good, but it's David Price and four other guys right now who still, to me, have to kind of prove themselves and or step up from where they're uh, I don't look. I look at the Red Sox and think they could do something. They're the Red Sox. There are a lot of teams that could. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't see where they're. I don't see where a lot of you know those Yankee teams when Jeter was at his best, and uh, they had those great right. teams uh, in the '90s that you knew Boston, New York, going to be there every year. Yeah, I, I just there really yeah, isn't that. It that was really right now. There isn't. So the Tigers, their chances are they really. And they, it, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee the Tigers. Anything fans want guarantees about things like this. The big payroll, having players, guarantees you nothing. But I'm a big believer in improving your odds. And I think with these type of players, it does improve their odds. Absolutely does. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Greg, you're on Tiger Talk at ninety seven won the ticket. What's up? Hey, good evening, Pat. Good to talk to you. Hey, Dan, it's an honor to talk to you. Thank you, Greg. Um, I got Pat. You mentioned about the it being a uh, the the goal is the World Series. Of course, everybody wants to win the World Series. That is the goal. But I don't really believe it was. A, is it so wrong to think that it wasn't a failure? But look what, look what they've accomplished over those years that Dombrowski did what he did. And, yeah, I would have loved to have won the World Series every year. But, yeah. I mean, they, they accomplished a lot. You said they beat the Yankees three times in the playoffs. They beat Oakland three yeah. times in the playoffs. They, they beat some formidable teams. And I think that I don't uh, – for that reason, I don't think it was a, really a failure. Well, you know, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree more with you. Then, uh, you know, a lot of fans who just, we get a lot of calls. and Look, I appreciate the calls and what people say. Just sometimes it, it, it seems to me like, man, that's just, they get so frustrated when they lose or, you know, whatever. They don't look at the bigger picture of how bad it was, you know, for baseball in this town for an extended period and forget where the Tigers came from. And they forget, right. you know, look at a, a team like the Lions and the Lions go six and two to end the season. They're the greatest six and two team in the history of the world. Where <laughs> yeah. the Tigers, you know, if they don't win the World Series, oh, it's a horrible year. The Red right. Wings are kind of in that same standard as well, and the Pistons well, were for a long time when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, and it wasn't good enough for them. You know, right? And I guess as a fan, as much as I want them to win, I guess the the only one that matters is the guy that's paying their their checks, right? As writing their checks, and whatever he says goes. I don't have anything to say about it, but I just don't think to and. I just don't think that, and I think it's most a, fans, yeah, and I think most fans agree with you, Greg, for this simple reason. When you talk about a season after it's over and and it's obviously fallen short of a World Series championship, even the Warriors have won four straight Central titles. You talk to fans, and just my experience, Pat, is they enjoyed. There are a lot of memorable moments in those seasons, and they liked the journey yeah. that got them to they're, the postseason. They're fun to watch. The they're, World a, they're fun to watch. And, right. Oh, of course, you want the World Series championship, but I, I don't think course. a season's a failure if you don't get it in a year in which you won. Well, one year they won a hundred games. Well, I just uh, you know Series. I remember the the year they in two thousand six the the players came out with the champagne and sprayed it on the fans after they beat the Yankees, the Maglio home run. You know your call. It's just so iconic. Uh, you know, I just um, I just think of all the different mo- the, the series against Texas that they lost, but that was one of the best series I've ever seen. Crazy Those two good. teams were, you know, going heavyweights. Head- yeah, I mean, it really was <laughs> the same with the Red Sox. The Red following. Sox in twenty thirteen. So you know, you sit back and you look at it, that was exciting baseball, winning against Oakland in Game Five. So Twice, the, the tights, you know, tight Twice. series. Verlander that one game 
It's like, man, I don't think anybody could hit this guy. Three game, five wins on the road. So there is a lot of great moments here. I'm not trying to make apologies for anything, but I remember when if the Tigers were above 500, they couldn't get above 500. So <laughs> 12 and, straight years. And their clubhouse was a disaster. You know, you'd walk in there and you could just feel the tension. So uh, it's uh, something that uh, you know, sometimes is overlooked. Garrett, you're on 97 won the ticket. What's up? Pat, it's good to hear you back on the radio. And same with you, Dan. It was uh, nice to, to see both you guys at Tiger Fest on Saturday. Well, thank a lot you. of fun. You had a good time there, I take it. I did, actually, yeah. It was my first time being down there, and it was uh, just nice kind of taking in everything. And, you know, there was a little bit of a different optimism, I think, obviously, with the Upton signing. But I will say this um, about this team. I think what what you guys addressed earlier were, were where this team's going to go and is this, you know, is this team for real this year? And I do think that this team – I think in years past has always felt that, yeah, they have a chance to win a World Series, but they've gotten the postseason, and it's been okay. Last year, the fact that it just fell off the wagon so much and then the fact that you were then reassured by your owner that, okay, we're going to want to try and win this, this whole thing by signing Justin Upton, it might, it might put a little bit of a fire back in your saddle. Right. I think there's a lot of guys that are fed up with, the fact that they've been talking the talk and really haven't walked the walk, if you will, in winning a title. So I think that's kind of where they're at with it, and that's kind of what I noticed on Saturday. But, Dan, I have a question for you, and I I think it's a very viable question because there's still, in my eyes, seems like there's a huge logjam out in the outfield. And now, obviously, with Upton up there, uh, or Upton in left field, I mean, does this mean that Avilas could move into the infield? I mean, obviously, Shearholtz and Mayberry are trying to fight for a spot, which obviously they won't get in spring training. But, I mean, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right, to have this, you know, huge stockpile of outfield talent, which which could, you know, really pay off well, I think. No, Avilas is kind of that super utility guy who's an infielder. He is still best at shortstop. I do think, you know, Pat and I were talking before the show, it will be interesting to see how it shakes out with Mabin and Ghost in center field because Upton and J.D. Martinez, you can pencil them in as long as they stay healthy, 150-plus games each. And that means playing time for either Ghost or Mabin is, is going to be at a premium, and you wouldn't think it's going to be a strict platoon. I don't, I don't see a strict platoon in center field. And then you can't forget about Tyler Collins, who did provide some extra base power from the left side. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. What do you think? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. He's Dan Dickerson, the radio play-by-play voice of the Detroit Tigers. I'm Pat Caputo, and you're listening to Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. Talking sports and more. That's just what we do. 97.1 The Ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97.1 The Ticket. You know, obviously, you want to be able to ultimately help your team make it to the playoffs, and uh, you know the end goal is to win a World Series. And uh, even though I was pitching well, uh, you know we kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. So, um, you know, big picture though, it was really nice to to finish the season healthy. And uh, all the work that I put in uh, coming up to spring training, I knew that I felt good and felt healthy again. Unfortunately, I had that injury in spring training, uh, which really set me back. But um, you know, once I got it rolling again, it was uh, it was fun again. It's Justin Verlander, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. We'd love to, to hear from you tonight. Dan Dickerson's here. I'm Pat Caputo. And uh, we're talking about great shortstops. And, uh, you know, we're looking at it. And Dan said, well, who's the top? I said, Simmons, I thought, dropped off last year uh, with the uh, Braves. But I, I thought that uh, you mentioned Nick Ahmed. You know, he's really good now. We mentioned that was 
Brandon Crawford is a much better player now than 2012 when the Tigers played them. Quickly, going back to our last caller, center field, they didn't really answer the question. I would say my, my gut is Maven's going to get the, the bulk of the playing time over Ghost. What's your thought? Even though they need that left-handed bat, unless Ghost just lights it up with his bat, I would think – I just get the sense that they're leaning more toward Maven in center field. I don't know if that's true or not. I like Anthony Ghost as a player. I like him a lot as a player. I liked him when he was with Toronto. Uh, he was – He's still relatively young and is at one time was one of the top 30, 40 prospects right. in all of baseball. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I didn't – I would tend to think that the Tigers would be better off with Ghost developing than with Cameron Maven, who is what he is. He actually – Cameron Maven had his best year last year, than what I could tell, and it wasn't even that good. Neither it was a two-plus. He was a two-war No, player. his best years were a few years ago when he had, he had a four-war and a three-war season. Yeah, and he hasn't been close to that in the last couple of years. But that was wasn't that his best year last year? No, from what he's had in the last couple of years, you know, because I don't know, it just seemed like it was. But I'm, I'd have to go look up his his numbers. He, I, I trust I mean, what it, you're saying, but yeah, I mean, in terms of just the the overall value, wins above replacement. He was he was better a few years ago. <laughs> the one thing I would say, neither one graded out well in center field last year, Maben or Ghost. The eyeball test suggests both can play it very well. Maben's been better in recent years. He's been a plus. Remember what Brad Osma said. His center fielders are going to play deeper this coming year. And the one thing you notice when teams come into Comerica Park, the best center fielders, or when we're on the road, the best center fielders do play a fairly deep center field, starting with Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah. 248 is the phone number. Um, I don't know. I, I tend to think that the Tigers would be better off with ghosts developing. I don't know whether that's one of those things where it's a guy's going to be a perpetual prospect until he, right. he decide he's not a regular, or whether he's going to develop. Uh, to me, Maben's what he is, and uh, you know, unless I'm surprised or whatever, I, I don't think that's necessarily that great. And he is a right-handed hitter, and they need left-handed bats, right. Right. even though they're right-handers hit left or right-handed pitching fairly well. Obviously, somebody like Cabrera and all those guys. Michael, you're on ninety-seven one. The ticket, Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Hello. Um, I have two questions for Dan. Uh, my first one is, you know, normally for a championship, no matter what the sport, you got to knock on the door a few times and then bust it open, you know, a couple of years later. But Kansas City, you know, they knocked on the door one year and won it all the next. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd heard from anybody in the organization, player or otherwise, that expressed a little frustration with, like, geez, we've been knocking the door for eight years they haven't got there, and they did it one year and won. Uh, my second question was uh, – you know, traveling uh, all around the United States, Dan, as you do, uh, just give us a little insight into some of your favorite places you go to, maybe for the restaurants, the hotels, and the places you go for walks, or the people you see, restaurants, that kind of thing. Just tell me uh, a little bit about the kind of fun things you might do on the road. I'm pretty boring on the road, uh, but I do like, there are certain cities you do like traveling to. You think of restaurants, uh, we're really, I mean, we're, we're eating at the ballpark. <laughs> if it's a day game, we're leaving town. But, I, I mean, I, I like Boston. I love going to Fenway. I like Seattle. It's always about the city and the ballpark kind of combined. Uh, Seattle, to me, has got a great ballpark. It's a great city. The great Northwest is is beautiful to me. I've taken some train rides. I did one time from Oakland up to Seattle. Minnesota I like because I like the city, and that ballpark is one of my favorite ballparks, period, on the road. Chicago is always a good trip. U.S. Cellular Field is not one of my favorite ballparks. Wrigley looks great. We were there last year, and it still looks great. So those are those are some of my, my favorites. And, and you're right. You want to have those outdoor places you can get to uh, if you want to go out for a run, walk, whatever it is. Uh, on the other side, uh, you talk about players talk about Kansas City. 
all I can think of is Ian Kinsler saying for the first time, Pat, when we had him on, for the first time in a long time, he actually watched the postseason and was very impressed with Kansas City and struck by that thing they had going on last year and how they right. played as a team. And I don't think that's a small thing. I don't think there's any jealousy that they knocked one year and were the champions the next year. I think there was admiration from guys like Ian Kinsler. Yeah, they kind of picked everybody. Somebody didn't do well, somebody else would pick them up, that type of thing. And Ian Kinsler's been on teams like that with Texas before he was here uh, with the Tigers. So I'm sure he appreciates the way uh, they go about their business, as baseball players would say. Uh, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Uh, Mike, you're on Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. How you doing? Listen, um, I just I, I I hear the arguments about uh, Cabrera being in the third versus the fourth hole. I, I just wondered if Cabrera's got something in the contract that states that he's got to be hitting in the third spot because with the, with the addition of uh, with um, Upton, I would think that the best, possible solution for that lineup would be Cabrera to hit in the fourth spot. Maybe you guys can explain um, some of the nuances of third and fourth because I really don't see that big a difference as far as um, the positive of the third. I, I would rather have him in the cleanup spot up to and above it. I think first and foremost, I think Brad Ausmus feels very strongly he wants Miguel Cabrera to bat in the first inning guaranteed every game. I think you start right there, and then he'll always point out each spot in the order gets 17 more trips to the plate on average than the spot above or below it. So that's 17 more trips to the plate for Miguel Cabrera. You're going to want that every year. He's not going to hit second, but I think they, they just look at third and say that is the absolute right spot for Miguel Cabrera. He has if hit you notice, uh, both, but he's hit third a lot more recently. Joe Madden has done where he's hit his best hitter second for the reason a lot of people say about. Miguel Cabrera the best hitter should hit second I mean yeah, what so we see Schwarber Rizzo and Bryant all hit second for the right. Cubs last year they did rotate though so it's uh you know, you know you know the thing is Mike you know you got your old school thoughts that's your old school thoughts you put everybody on base and then the cleanup guy cleans up that's what they call it you know, the way things have kind of evolved in the game uh people are looking at if anything he's going to be moved anywhere in the future, a guy like that who's a great hitter, he's going to be hitting second. Angels hit Mike Trout there a lot, and there, there's a reason for it. And somebody like Cabrera draws a lot of walks. He puts the ball in play. He doesn't strike out a ton. He drives the ball the other way. And so if any place that he should be hitting, in my opinion, it would be second rather than fourth just because the game's evolved to the point where people have looked at it statistically and measured it. And that would probably make the sense. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. And, uh, you know, I've been following baseball for a long time, but that it's definitely a thought that's kind of passe. Uh, they would, in my opinion, if they dropped Cabrera to fourth, I would be on the radio and I'd be criticizing Brad Osmus for doing it for the reasons that I just mentioned. Dan brought up the point. That's the best point. That's, that means that's 17 less at-bats a year he's going to get. Right. Your best hitter, so – what I'd do is I'd hit Upton second. You're going to see a lot of fastballs. He's got a career on base percentage of 352. I'd hit Cabrera third. And if I were going to hit anybody fourth other than uh, Victor, it would be J.D. Martinez. And uh, that's how I'd do it. And I may even consider uh, you know, changing that uh, to where you know, I would hit Kinsler would, one and maybe Cabrera two. I would think Upton's going to hit both second and maybe even fifth this year. We were talking about that before the show as well, that because he's got the higher on base, maybe you put him fifth and drop J.D. to sixth sometimes. 
depending on, on the matchup. And I, you know, I disagree with some of the thoughts. I still believe that who hits uh, behind does matter. You know, a lot of people say that just doesn't matter. And there's been a lot of analytical studies that, you know, statistically about protection. About protection, you know, I've seen that, it both ways. I've seen studies yeah. that have shown nothing, and studies that have—it really is how you set it up. I think. I still think. I that think there is something to it, and I agree with you. You want to have a good hitter hitting in front of him who's going to see a lot of fastballs. A I'm good hitter can have an effect on guys ahead of him and guys behind him. And I don't think it matters much to Miggy because he had MVP caliber years of Delman Young right. hitting behind him. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven. Walk rate went up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> certainly it did. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. It's Tiger Talk. He's Dan Dickerson. I'm Pat Caputo. Ninety seven won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1, the ticket. When you're hurt, uh, you're battling yourself mentally, physically, everything, and it's just such a drain, um, you know, and it's, it's hard to go out there and then still compete. I mean, and we're playing against the best competitors in the world, and if you lose just a little bit of an edge, man, it's huge. So uh, to go out there and feel healthy, uh, physically, um, I think allowed me to do the things that I've always been able to do mentally. That's Justin Verlander, 248539-9797 is the phone number. Steve, you're on Tiger Talk on 97 won the ticket. What's up? Hey, evening, Pat. Hey, Dan. Good to hear a summer voice in the long days of January. Hey. Something to look forward to. Appreciate That's right. that one for sure. Dan, I wonder if you could – I've been away uh, out of town for when most of the acquisitions we've gotten so far. I wonder if you could comment a little bit, I guess, uh, lack of better question, the kind of early returns on uh, Alavila, kind of with the dusty air, so to speak, that surrounded uh, Dombrowski the last couple of years. You know, where, is he, is he, uh, is it consensus that he's uh, doing good, better, or is it just that Mr. Eyes open up the books a little bit more? What do you think? Well, I think he has opened up the books a little more. That's obvious. But I, I do think Al, before the Upton signing, had had a very good offseason, Pat, because he'd, He'd gone out and, and he'd, he'd signed. First of all, I think it was very smart to target a free agent pitcher in Zimmerman and go out and get him right away at $110 million. Not exactly a bargain, but when you see Jeff Samarja signed for $90 million, who hasn't accomplished nearly what Jordan Zimmerman has accomplished in his career, that turns out to be a very right. good signing because the contracts, Steve, as you saw, were hot. He built a bullpen for a relative Low cost. Setup men were going for seven and eight million dollars a year. He got Mark Lowe two years for eleven, and Mark Lowe had a very good year last year. And he traded for a guy in Justin Wilson, giving up practically nothing, who's had a good track record, cut his walks, bumped his strikeouts. He's a low walk, high strikeout guy, power arm from the left side. That's a huge arm to have in the late innings. And then trading for K Rod. He's got seven, eight, ninth inning guys for a total of about fourteen million dollars. When last year, Dave Robertson signed for, what was it, $11.5, $12 million right. a year, just the closer for the Chicago yeah. White Sox. I thought he did a brilliant job in that respect. The way he built it, they had a plan, they executed it, and then in the end he was just given a nice little gift from the owner saying, hey, you can go out and get one more. <laughs> and so sure, he did. Yeah. And then also I think the little the secondary uh, things that we got, you know, a veteran like Salfa Lamacchia. You're you getting know, him for the major league minimum. And, and stuff like that, I, you know, I think uh, – these little secondary pickups, too, I think, have uh, proved, you know, again, everything revolves to me around health and yes, how things those guys are. But uh, so far, I think it's so good, and I just want to get your take. And looking forward to spring, I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Steve.
248-539-9797 is the phone number. Mike, you're on Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. What's up, Mike? Hey, Pat and Dan. Thanks for uh, talking Tigers in January. I really appreciate it. <laughs> That's Thanks right. Yeah. Warm, warm thoughts anyway. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I want to hear Dan's take this year, uh, really compared to last on the, on the starting pitching situation. I, I thought that was one of the one of the bigger weaknesses of the Tigers last year, um, obviously with the Verlander injury and and losing Scherzer uh, to free agency. That hurt the team. Um, and is Zimmerman the answer to those pitching woes this year, or will we see much of the same in terms of uh, you know that weakness like last year? Well, I, I I think Sanchez to me holds the key because he had such an off year last year as a combination of kind of strange bad luck because he was feeling good and giving up home runs, and then I don't think he was feeling good toward the end and still giving up home runs. He went from what four home runs allowed to. 29, but I think he holds the key because I do think Zimmerman's the real deal. Is a four-war pitcher who's been a four-war pitcher for the last four years, a little bit better than that, actually. You slot him in behind Justin Verlander, who finished with a 220 ERA, his last 14 starts with a strikeout an inning, and opponents weren't doing anything against him. I really believe he's back to being that ace. Then you've got Norris and Pelfrey at the back end, and Pelfrey might be a swing guy this year. I could still see one of the youngsters maybe even slotting in that number five spot. Don't give up on Shane Green, who I think gives the bullpen some depth. I just think it, it, the, the starting rotation, I think, will be better. It has to be better. The Tigers were 15th in bull, or starters ERA, 14th in bullpen ERA, gave up 800 runs. No one else was even close to that. They've got to cut the runs allowed by at least 100 this year, and it's going to be led by the rotation. I think it will be better, but you're right. We have to see it play out. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Jerry, you're on Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. What's up, Jerry? Good evening, guys. Pat, Dan, how Hi, are Jerry. you? Hi, Jerry. Good. You know, you stole just a little bit of my thunder on the moment. I wanted to ask about Shane Green. He started off like a ball of fire last year, really sunk midseason and obviously, you know, sent down. Was there anything personally um, wrong with Shane Green? In the middle of the summertime, I was talking to my buddy. He'd sit in the dugout with a hoodie on with his baseball cap over it, kind of by himself. And it, it almost looked like he was a loner on the team. Was there anything, Dan, that you picked up on personality-wise well, I, I from Shane Green? Or I don't think he, he was just feeling... feeling the effects of the way he was pitching. Yeah, I think it was effects of the way he was pitching. In fact, he knew, I think he probably knew deep down he wasn't healthy. And sure enough, yes, I mean, he was feeling numbness in his hand by midsummer. And um, I mean, he's kind of a quiet guy anyway. But uh-huh. uh, if you saw him over the weekend, I mean, he's got the, he's got the confidence to wear that mohawk, and he's got a, quite the hairstyle right now. I mean, this is a likable guy. We did not see, even when he started by giving up one run in 23 innings, we did not see the swing and miss stuff that we'd seen the year before in a Yankee uniform. We did not. Mm-hmm. And right. that's what I'm looking for this spring. And I think a return to good health, I have no idea if he'll get back to that. But just remember, Oops. it's in there. We saw it. He was a strikeout and inning guy. He was not getting those swings well, and misses even when he started strong you know, last year. You know, my, my view on that's a little different. I thought that uh, I was surprised by his makeup in a certain way. I didn't think his. I thought his makeup, having played in New York, all the different situations, even things were going pretty well. There seemed to be kind of a, I don't know, a, a guarded attitude. Now I've been around a lot of ball players and stuff, and I understand it's part of what they make make them really good. You know, is the fact that they do have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder or they're a certain way. So I didn't know what to make of that, but it did seem to me like he may have gotten a little bit 
lost last year. Just in kind, maybe it was injuries, maybe it was a combination of things, ineffectiveness. You know, he had a real good year. And but if you know the ball's not coming out of your hand the way it was the year before, could be. He lost a mile and a half off his fastball. Yeah, mile and a half an hour. That's that's not a small thing. But it, I don't know. You know, it, it could be a number of factors. But I, what he's uh, talking about, I know it's a little bit too. You know, uh, that doesn't mean that uh, it might not have been for the reasons you suggested. It could very well be. I, I don't know. But um, I do know that there seemed to be some kind of disconnect between him and last year. And I was surprised because, but again, you're talking about somebody who's very young. But he, he played with the Yankees. The whole media crunches a lot less just, here than it is in New York. Just watch him this year because I think he's going to be, he could be a big piece in the, in the bullpen. Yeah, health could be a factor. Really and there, like you said, Dan, there was some plus stuff. So, and, and players learn. They're like everybody else. You know, they learn how to adjust uh, in, in all kinds of different ways and grind through it. And, and you know, it's kind of like the old saying, uh, the song, you know, the Kelly Clarkson song, well, it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. <laughs> a lot of these guys go through ups and downs. The guys who learn from the downs, you right. know, end up being the guys that are very resilient. And it's like their careers have nine lives. They keep going, Tiger's got one of those guys in K-Rod. How many times have people, you know, hey, he's not that good, he's not that good. And every year he goes out there and shows everybody how good he is. Every year. Every year. You know, and people were writing him off a long time ago. They were. Uh, Frank, you're on Tiger Talk, a 97 won the ticket. What's up? Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Good, good. Frank. How are you? Very good. Um, you know, you guys are talking about pitching. And I just, with the Zimmerman signing, I'm not, I'm just not sold with, you know, the five starters. Well, the four starters and the question mark is still left to be in the fifth position. Um, I mean, we got two veterans. We got a guy who's a veteran just being signed. And um, what's our third man there? Uh, so you got Verlander, Zimmerman, Sanchez. That's your top three. Sanchez. I slotted Norris at four and Pelfrey at five. I mean, I'm sorry. Chuck, well, at, at the job, we call him Chuck Norris. So, because uh, he's got that high kick. But, I mean, <laughs> I like Daniel, but the other guy and, you know, our fifth spot, I'm just concerned about our pitching, man. I just, like you said, we gave up, what, 800 home runs or 800 runs? <laughs> I hope it was 800 home runs. It felt like it at times. No, it was 800, 800 runs. runs. 803. 803. Nobody was above 753 to give you an idea of how they kind of lapped the field. You know Exactly. Now, I agree with you, uh, Dan. I look for Shane Green to turn it around 160 degree, 180 degrees. I think he's a bullpen guy, though. Well, that's fine because we need that. That's fine. I don't have a problem with right. that. But my biggest thing is, and then also the infield, I wish in last season – when Tulowitzki left and went to Toronto, I wish we had jumped on that guy. I really do. Because we'd have had a killer infield. We'd have had a killer infield, and that would have helped our pitching big time. Because I knew Tulowitzki was going to leave because he was having some problems out in Colorado. But, um, man, I mean, I was disappointed in that move. I wish Avila had moved on that, or at least Dombrowski had moved on that. would have been a big acquisition for us. But, well, but look at what he did get. I mean, the Tigers were not in a position to be a buyer, really. They weren't. Tudelwitzki wouldn't have changed those fortunes. I thought they did better at the trade deadline than I thought they were going to do because there's no compensatory picks anymore. Right. And um, uh, getting uh, Fulmer, getting uh, Norris. Fulmer, Boyd, and Norris. I mean, that's as good a threesome coming up through the ranks as the Tigers have seen in a long time. Yeah, more. I'm more. I'm not so sure about Boyd, but there are some good components to it. I did talk to a scout. Really liked him in the Eastern League, but I think Norris and Fulmer are not. They they both have real high upsides. 
And uh, they, they did a pretty good job of getting those guys. No sure thing again with them, right. but it's pretty impressed uh, with Norris in a lot of ways. He just was a little off. That command gets a little better. He's got three pitches. I think Frank's right to focus on the rotations. We'll talk more about that next week because that's really where it all starts. Coming up next, Inside Hockey Town, Kenny Cal, myself. Uh, enjoyed it, Dan, as always. Uh, we'll as talk always, to you next Pat. week on this show. Alrighty. We'll talk to you soon about some hockey. 97 won the ticket. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.